Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Hey, welcome back to Live Mike. I am Lee Lonsberry, 206 KSL News Time, just an hour left in today's episode of this show. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, you got big weekend plans? I'm still trying to sort out what I'm going to do. The temperatures are high, and I'm trying to find out if it's safe or not to have my little baby Piper uh, outside. Some have told me that there are some temperatures uh, above which you really can't take a baby outside. So I may be looking for some indoor activities and open to suggestions. Five. 7500 is the Utah Community Credit Union text line. Help me out with making some weekend plans. I know there's a farmer's market, uh, at least in, in Salt Lake City at Pioneer Park, uh, and I believe there are others throughout the state. Uh, those are outdoors, though, and the temperature might keep me from bringing the little baby outside. Anyway, 57500, would love to hear from you. I have a, a confession. Uh, it's not something I'm proud of, uh, but I want to be uh, you know, clear and transparent with you. And as I learn things, I want to share that learning uh, with you because you may find yourself in the same situation I am where yesterday when Governor Gary Herbert was delivering some information during that press conference we aired here on this program, he made reference to the Martin Luther King Jr. Human Rights Commission. And I have heard of this commission in the past, but I knew so very little of the way they operated or the objectives of the commission and certainly how uh, things have been going here in the state since its inception. Get this. It was created by executive order here in the state of Utah July 1st, 1991. And subsequently, uh, governors have uh, reauthorized the continuance of this commission uh, recently in 2013. In August, Governor Gary Herbert of the state of Utah, by virtue and the authority vested in him uh, by the Constitution and the laws of the state of Utah, he reauthorized the Martin Luther King Jr. Human Rights Commission and created the uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, Human Rights Commission, as I said, and also uh, established certain directives to honor and commemorate uh, Martin Luther King Jr. himself. Anyway, that was mentioned yesterday in the press conference. In fact, I'll, I'll let you hear here. This is from the press conference yesterday. Governor discussed calling together an emergency meeting of the Martin Luther King Jr. Commission. Within the executive branch of uh, the state of uh, government, we have two commissions. Uh, one is the Martin Luther King Commission, and the other is the Multicultural Commission. I convened those commissions under an emergency request to get together. Uh, and we had a joint session here this last Tuesday. And uh, it was a very good meeting. It was heartfelt. It was honest. It was open. It was emotional. And uh, I can tell you that it was uh, something that I think was way past due and something we should have done earlier. The governor then went on to describe the last few weeks of self-reflection. I can tell you it's been sobering for me as I've reflected upon the, the events of the past couple of weeks and reminded that far too many within our multicultural communities continue to experience discrimination. And we can, in the state of Utah, do better. I think we can, as a country, do better. Emergency meeting. That's a serious thing. As soon as I heard 
Governor Herbert make that announcement that an emergency meeting had been called. I went to work learning more uh, as much as I could about this human's right this human rights commission, the Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Human Rights Commission, and they, in conjunction with the Multicultural Commission, uh, they did. They got together. And in fact, uh, they released a a joint statement. I want to read to you some of that statement, and then uh, I'll let you know now that in the next segment, we're going to be speaking to one of the commissioners, uh, Bridget Shears, from the Martin Luther King Jr. Human Rights Commission, to learn more about what took place at that emergency meeting, what uh, objectives they hope to accomplish going forward, and what you and I should know in general about this commission. Uh, Maybe you and I can uh, get involved and help out somehow. Uh, I, again, admittedly, uh, knew very little about this commission until I heard it referenced by the governor yesterday. So here I'll read to you some of the statement that was released uh, with Governor Gary Herbert alongside the this Human Rights Commission as well as the Multicultural Commission. It reads, We are deeply saddened and heartbroken by the brutal and inhumane murder of Mr. George Floyd and the many lives taken before him. Their deaths have prompted the community to pause and reflect how racism and injustice affects everyone individually and collectively in our daily lives, but also to consider how it is uniquely felt by communities of color. We grieve alongside their families, friends, and community, and the nation. Together, we must play a role in demonstrating compassion, dignity, and respect as neighbors, co-workers, and parents to foster a more welcoming, inclusive, accessible, and equitable community and world to live in. Can I admit something? The, the, the These types of statements, they have been very helpful to me. I live in a bubble, you know? I, I do what I can to experience the world around me, but uh, there are some circumstances where you really can't replicate the experience of another. And I will never know firsthand the experience of someone uh, from a community of color. I will never know what it is to uniquely feel the way they live life and the way they face racism and injustice. I'll, I'll never know that firsthand. And so all I can do is uh, commit to have my mind and my ears and my attitude and my heart open to listening to the types of people that make up this commission. And I invite you to do the same. And to do so doesn't mean that you're turning your back on some other group. You can be absolutely open. You can have open arms and open mind and open heart to the individuals who are now shouting at the tops of their lungs that they are facing injustice. And you can be welcoming and accommodating of their message while at the same time, while at the same time being supportive of law enforcement being supportive of justice and law and order. This is not this team versus that team. Your loyalties are not mutually exclusive. You can be 100% loyal to communities of color, to minorities, to all those who right now are speaking up against and speaking out against racism and injustice, while at the same time, being 100% supportive of law enforcement. I'll admit that I have, uh, it's taken me some time to get to that understanding. I never really thought about these issues. 
But as you and I are exposed to them day after day, and we hear uh, these different points of view being com- communicated, you learn that the world is a little bit bigger than the four walls in which we live. It's a little bit bigger than the world that exists under our own roof. There are other roofs out there. There are other walls. There are other lives. And let's see what we can do to open ourselves up to those experiences and those lives. We're going to take a break. When we come back, as I said, we will be joined by one of the commissioners from the Martin Luther King Jr. Human Rights Commission. Bridget Shears will be my guest to speak about the emergency meeting, about what they would like to see come about, and how things are going uh, amongst the other commissioners. That's ahead on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome back to Live Mike 220. It's KSL Newstime. I'm Lee Lonsberry. In the last segment, I revealed that there was a commission within the state of Utah reauthorized by Governor Gary Herbert in 2013, which continues to do good work today. And the embarrassing uh, admission was that I was not very well familiar with this commission called the Martin Luther King Jr. Human Rights Commission. It was yesterday announced in a press conference hosted by Governor Gary Herbert that an emergency meeting had been assembled just the other day between uh, himself, uh, this commission, as well as the Multicultural Commission. They had gotten together and had an emergency meeting where they talked about priorities and objectives and what they would like to see done, what must be done. And, uh, you know, in the whole spirit of uh, knowing what's going on in our town, uh, I have reached out to that Human Rights Commission, the Martin Luther King Jr. Human Rights Commission. And on the line now, we have Commissioner Bridget Shears from that commission. Uh, Commissioner, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, I'm well. Uh, listen, you, you heard me admit that uh, before recently I was not very well familiar with your commission. May I ask you this? Uh, please descri- describe the objective of this commission. Well, basically, we are a group of individuals from across the state who represent the various communities across our state. Um, we are a diverse group of individuals at, that, that really are trying to ensure that the human rights of every, uh, in, uh, everyone in the community of Utah, um, that their human rights are, are looked at and considered and that we serve the governor in this role. How is the governor as a partner to work with? Well, he's, he's actually a very good partner. Um, he's been always responsive to uh, the work that the commission does. Uh, one of the things that we initially 
wanted to make sure that was happening in Utah is that we were observing Martin Luther King Jr. Day um, as a state, as a state holiday, um, and that there were um, events that were um, being held that uh, represented the respect that we had for the work of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. So, and, and doing those things and presenting those ideas, our governor has always been um, uh, responsive to agreeing to the um, any of the concerns that we may have brought to him. And I understand recently there was an emergency meeting assembled of your commission. What took place there? Um, this meeting was uh, basically an it was designed to allow uh, the commissioners as well as others in our community uh, respond to our concerns of what happens here in Utah in terms of police uh, brutality and um, concerns about police reform, the need for police reform. Um, and those were the primary conversations that we uh, had um, during that meeting. Were there specific reform requests made of the governor, uh, or what, what were the discussions along the reform lines? Well, there's, it's interesting because when the, the commission was initially brought together, um, there had been a group of individuals that were on the commission who had developed a, uh, the, the Utah Black Agenda, basically what kind of things did we need as a community, a very small community here in Utah? How were our rights being managed and observed uh, here in Utah? So those are, in, within that agenda, there are quite a few things that uh, we spoke with the governor and the lieutenant governor about during this meeting. I, I don't want to get very specific about it, but police reform was top on the list. Unfortunately, we did not have um, many representatives from law enforcement uh, that were available that day. In the same press conference yesterday, hosted by Governor Herbert, where he announced that this meeting had been held, uh, that he had gotten together with the commission, had heard uh, the proposals, he also made it known that he was prohibiting the instruction of chokehold techniques uh, among POSTA as well as uh, outlawing their use among the Department of Corrections. Uh, is that a step in the right direction? Is that sufficient uh, for the reforms you're calling for? It's a good step in the direction. It's, Can, not, it's not the end of what we're asking for or, or that we're asking to have discussions with our um, fraternal order of police, um, with our other uh, community uh, police officers in the different cities across the uh, state of Utah. We, we need everybody to be at the table to have conversations about how to reform police um, in understanding who is sitting at the table making the, um, the rules and who is reviewing when there are issues with uh, police officers um, where excessive force has been used and what is being done um, to um, manage those police officers who have been involved in uh, police shootings 
recently here in, in Utah. That, that sounds like a reference to a civilian oversight board, similar to those uh, established in uh, Salt Lake City and West Valley City. Would the commission like to see more of those? Yes. Definitely. And it's also my understanding that Utah law uh, is such that those those civilian review boards have a power that extends only to recommendations, that they don't have any unilateral powers themselves. Would you like to see that changed? Yes. That would also be, I mean, and we need representation that looks like the community that the um, that those police uh, jurisdictions are serving. And we need to be able to have individuals on those review boards that um, that mirror the community that they're there to protect. Does does the board established in Salt Lake City set a good model for the rest of the state and West Valley? I think there's some work to be done. Can you elaborate at all? I'm sorry? Can you elaborate? What, what kind of work ought to be done? I think there's, there's a need for representation, as I said, that mirrors the community that those, um, that, that are of that city I see. Um, on those review boards. I see. The, the, maybe the demographic makeup of the board itself ought to be more reflective of the community, uh, which the, yes. the, the police force polices. I see. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. What is ne- what's next for the commission? How, how periodically do you meet? Uh, what do you do from here? The commission meets monthly, um, and those are public meetings. Uh, we also are, we had, in our conversation with the governor, we uh, decided we will be meeting again with the governor um, at the end of the month as well to just discuss uh, what actions have been taken, what other things are needed to be done um, as we continue to move forward. And that'll be, that'll be a meeting open to the public as well? Yes, the commission meetings are open to the public. All right, very good. Uh, Bridget Shears, commissioner from the Martin Luther King Jr. Human Rights Commission. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for educating me on this commission. I look forward to the upcoming meeting at the end of the month. Uh, I look forward to meeting you. And uh, once this coronavirus is behind us, shaking your hand. (laughs) Yes, okay, thank you. All right, thank you. Take care. Uh, We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we're going to shift gears pretty dramatically, and we're going to look at uh, elections, specifically the election for President of the United States of America. And the GOP convention, which is coming up shortly, the location has been changed a bit, but we're going to look specifically at the platform. Something absolutely, if I'm honest, hilarious has happened. (laughs) I want to read to you the platform the party is using right now. They're drawing from language drafted in 2016, and it may not be too applicable to uh, today. That's ahead. I'll explain it all next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.